with me. He's my way maker. Amen, amen, amen. Well, it's good to be in church on a Sunday morning. Better than being in jail. Some of you know what that's like. Thank God we've been redeemed, right? Redeemed from jails, redeemed from bondages of all kind. Amen. That's a good thing, isn't it? Praise God. Well, we're family today. Let's greet one another this morning. It's a great day here in the Bay Area. Praise God. Morning, brother. God bless you. Hallelujah. Good to see all of you. We're expecting great and glorious things to happen. Well, I want to ask you to do something along with me for the next three months, if you would. I have a little document here called Saying the Same Thing. And this has to do with the vision of the church, the growth of the church, the increase of the church, not only in the area of souls, not only in the area of people growing and maturing, but also in the area of finance. Amen. So ushers, please come pass these out right now to everybody. And uh, while they're doing that, let's just declare a few things right now. Say it with me. The favor of God goes before us. And opens doors that no man can shut. We're getting our lands, our buildings, our houses, and our vehicles. All of our debts are being reduced and eliminated. And God is doing for us exceedingly above all that we can ask or think. And I like this one because the spirit of faith is working in us. Together, our vision is being fulfilled. We're reaching the lost, healing the hurting, and maturing the believer. Of course, the front end of this has a lot to do with freedom in the Spirit, the manifestations of the Holy Ghost, calling in people from the north, south, east, and west. And so I'd like for you to join me for the next 90 days. Of course, today is October 1st and let's get serious about this and let's all come into agreement by saying the same thing how many of you will do that along with me thank you so much praise the Lord well I want to open our Bibles this morning as we prepare our hearts to give to the book of Proverbs the book of Proverbs uh, chapter 3 and verse uh, 9 and 10 you know one of the reasons why we tithe individually is because wisdom cries out that we should I believe that one of the clearest verses in the Bible uh, about bringing our first and best can be found in this timeless wisdom of Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So what does honoring the Lord have to do with it? Well, this is bringing your best to the Lord, the best of everything. Amen? And then he will fill your barns with grain, and your vats will overflow with good wine. Amen. How many of you have a savings account? Okay, so that's most of it. If you don't, I encourage you to get one. If you, if, how many of you have some investments some way, somehow, somewhere? Praise God, that's good. So what you need to do is be declaring over your savings account and over your investments that there's increase happening. Amen. And that God is more than, more than enough. Aren't you glad he's not El Chipo? He's El Shaddai. Praise God. 
He's more than enough. So let me just kind of give you a little family update. We had some really, really good months from January uh, through August. And in September, we had about a 30 to, I think it was about a $40,000 downfall from our budget. And so we're about $30,000 behind the budget for the year now. How many of you will set yourself in agreement with me, amen, these last 90 days, glory to God, that we're going to be fully funded and that there will be more than enough, amen. Now, we've been here before and we've always seen God do what he does. But we just thank God for the spirit of faith in all of us working and all of us bringing our best, all of us bringing our supply into the house of the Lord. Let me give you a little quick update uh, for fulfilling the vision or heart for the house. Uh, Of course, our payment will be coming out on the 10th. And so far, 92 has come in. We're thankful for that. Amen. We are so thankful indeed for that. Well, you may be seated. Praise God thought you might enjoy that and we got tremendous praise and worship in this place praise the lord and we're so thankful for it and i'm going to drink to jesus is (laughs) so father right now we come before you today in the name of jesus speak to us through your word by your spirit today thank you lord for this great congregation thank you for the blessing of the lord upon each and every one of us today As we talk about Jesus is our Redeemer, part two, we thank you, Lord, that we've been redeemed by your blood. For you have redeemed us unto God through your blood. And we're so thankful for this today. In the name of Jesus, and all said amen. Amen. Praise God. In 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed, with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers but you were but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot amen so we have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and in the eyes of God the blood of the lamb was extremely precious Also, another thing that is precious to our Heavenly Father is harvest. And in James chapter 5, it says this, that he, the husbandman waiteth, that's the Father, for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. How many of you know our Father's interested in harvest? He's waiting. So he's shed his precious blood for the precious fruit of the earth of the earth. Now what does this show us? This shows us that to God, the precious fruit of the earth is of equal value to the precious blood of Jesus. Now the word precious means costly, it means of great value. When you look and think at the word precious, it's the same word used to describe precious gold, precious metals, or precious jewels. You and I are worth the blood of the Lamb. That's what was paid for, for our salvation. And that is what sets our value forever. Now, the more that we talk about the blood of Jesus and rejoice in what he has done, the more we see the value of the blood of the lamb, the more we will see our value. Amen. Now, I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And in verse 19 through 20, uh, we see that we've been bought Amen. 
that we've been bought with the price, bought with the precious blood of the Lamb. Of course, in verse 19, he says, What know ye not that you are the temple of the, of the living God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? And then dropping down to verse 20, it says this, For you are bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen. I am glad that I am not a self-made man. I am a blood-bought man. And you are a blood-bought man or woman. Amen? Thank God. Blood-bought and Holy Ghost-taught. So Adam, what he did is he sold us into slavery of sin, but God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. See, the Heavenly Father owned us by right of creation. Amen? And of course, Adam sold us out. Then what did Jesus do? He came and lived a sinless life and paid the highest price to buy back, hallelujah, his own property that he created. Say it with me, the blood of Jesus is supernatural. Now man's blood was contaminated when Adam sinned. And that condition passed on to the whole human race. But Jesus has redeemed us to God by his blood. How many of you know the blood of Jesus is not natural human blood? Jesus was born of a virgin, was he not? Conceived by the Holy Spirit. His blood, I want to tell you today, is supernatural. Supernatural in origin and supernatural in power. And in Jesus Christ, the last Adam... Through the last Adam, God established a new bloodline. A new bloodline. Now I'm told that some of the finest horses are bred in Lexington, Kentucky. And those horses can be worth millions of dollars. As a matter of fact, the breeding fee on one particular horse was $600,000. These horses are so expensive... And the reason why is because they have the bloodline of a champion. Well, Jesus Christ is the champion son of God and son of man. And I want you to know today that he has a history of producing champions. And the blood of Jesus carries all the right ingredients to produce champions today. Amen. We have the winning traits of the blood of Jesus in our lives. The scripture says that we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a peculiar people. Say it with me. Jesus is my Redeemer. He is the champion, Son of God. And He has a history of producing champions. I'm looking at about a hundred of them today. Look at your neighbor and say, hello, champion. I didn't say champion. We are champions in him. Amen. And so he has a history of producing champions. When you and I were born again, we were born again of divine seed. We are heirs of God and we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And you have the genetics on the inside of you that make you a thoroughbred spiritually. Thoroughbreds just know who they are. Thoroughbreds walk differently. 
They don't walk around like mules because they know who we are. And those that are in Christ Jesus, when they find out who they are and what they have and what they can do, they don't walk around with their head down and their shoulders all slumped. They walk around with their heads up looking unto Jesus, rejoicing in the Lord because of who they are and what they have in Christ Jesus. Say it with me. I'm a spiritual spiritual. thoroughbred. Thoroughbred. How many of you remember the movie Seabiscuit? Of course, Seabiscuit is a story of a racehorse who was racing for the championship. And here's what his manager said to Seabiscuit, or to Seabiscuit, to the jockey. (laughs) as if Seabiscuit would understand. He was having this conversation with the jockey. And uh, he said, just let that fancy big horse get right up next to him and look him in the eye. And he said, that's all it's going to take. Seabiscuit took the challenge and won the race. Because when he was racing... He was going even and even with this big horse. And that one horse looked at him in the eye. And Seabiscuit saw it. And that's all that he needed to run that race and to finish that race. How many of you know that sometimes all it takes to win through the circumstances of life, when they look you right in the eye, something kicks in on the inside of you because there's a champion that has been born in you. Amen. It's bred in you. It's in your blood. The blood of Jesus carries the right ingredients to produce champions today. And through his blood, you and I are changed. Welcome to the winner's circle. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I love what 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 says in the message. And so if we can pull that up here in just a moment. Say it with me. Jesus is. He's my Redeemer. In 1 John 5, 4 in the message translation, it states this. And I'll, I'll read it and you'll see it here in a moment. Every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. Don't you like that? I love that. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. And through Jesus Christ, God's established the bloodline of a champion. And that same life is in you. You know, back in Leviticus... Uh, God was establishing certain rules, certain laws for the children of Israel. And he instructed them, never, never, never eat the blood, never drink the blood. Because he said this in Leviticus 17.11. He says, because the life of the flesh is where? The life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Recently, Friday night, I went to a hospital call after a funeral service, and uh, there was a man in there receiving transfusions uh, because of some blood situations that was going on in his life. Sometimes they will give a... We need to get some air in the room a little bit. I'm a little warm, and I think perhaps people are too... Let's not get it too cold. But uh, say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so sometimes when a... A person 
is anemic, which means their hemoglobin is low. And uh, sometimes when it gets real, real low, people become very weak. And really, they can die if they become too anemic. And so oftentimes what they do is they put them on iron pills or different things like that. And if it's really bad, what they will do is they will give them a transfusion. It's just amazing to me when I've seen people uh, undergo a transfusion. I mean, before they started, they were pale. But about an hour later, I mean, their face is flush. Their cheeks are rosy red. Why? Because the life is in the blood. Say it with me. Life is in the blood. And there is life in the blood of Jesus. There's Zoe life in the blood of the Lamb. Look with me in John chapter 1. And notice with me in verses 1 through 4. John chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 says, In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 4, read it with me. Go ahead. Praise the Lord. Let's read it one more time. That Greek word for life there is zoe. It means eternal. It means resurrection life. This Zoe life that is in you is so great that the possessors of this life will never die. Think about what that's worth. How many ever heard of a guy by the name of Ponce de Leon? I think Ponce de Leon perhaps was from Spain and he was out searching for, does anybody know what he was looking for? That's right. He came all the way from Europe to Florida in search of the fountain of youth. Well, I don't think he found it because Ponce died. He was trying to stop the aging process, but Ponce is dead. But thank God there's one born of a virgin who lived a sinless life, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, who fed the multitudes, who cast out devils, who gave his life a ransom for all. He was buried, he was dead, and he was in the pits for three days and three nights. But on that third morning, God raised our champion, Jesus, from the dead. Amen. Amen. And you know what? He is alive forevermore. What he does is he proves the, the reality of an endless life. And you know what? You and I are going to live forever. I'm going to live forever. Does that mean you're not going to die physically? Well, if Jesus tarries, we will all die physically. We'd all rather go by the way of rapture airlines. Amen? How many of you are candidates for rapture airlines? Glory to God. Rapture airlines is a good thing. This afternoon, I'll be leaving San Francisco at 4 o'clock, flying to Denver, then flying to Springfield and driving to Branson to see my lovely wife, Brenda. But you know, I love getting up there in the air. About 35, 36,000 feet above. Woo, man, I love it. Closer to Jesus than ever before. But United Airlines and American Airlines and Southwest, they can't touch Rapture Airlines. Because in a moment... In the twinkling of an eye, you and I are going to be changed. God's going to come get his own. He's going to take his champions home. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go? You know, just like I had to prepare to leave, which is very difficult with Brenda out of town. Matter of fact, I've got some preparation to do when I get home. But, you know, you go on a trip, you've got to be ready, right? Anybody ever gone on a trip and just found out, oh, man, I forgot my toothbrush. They'll be calling you El Stinko for the next three days. Got to be ready. Got to be ready. Spiritually, we need to be ready. We need to make sure that our house is in order, right? Our house is in order, ready to go. Expecting Jesus to return, I mean, immediately. But living our life in such a way that's pleasing to God. Are you ready to go? That's not real strong. Are you ready to go? Somebody says, well, I'm getting ready. Well, good. Praise the Lord. His resurrection power proves the reality of an endless life. You're never going to die. Never going to die. Though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. That's an awesome thing. Somebody says, I'm going through a lot right now, Pastor Mark. I'm going through a lot of tests and trials. It's nothing compared to what you're going to see. I said it's nothing compared to what you're going to see. I'm telling you, life on this side is so brief. What do you say we live it for Him and live it with all of our might for the glory of God? Amen? Amen. Say with me, I'm never going to die. I'm going to live because the Zoe life is on the inside of me. So the force of life that is in the Creator, that same force is in the blood of the Lamb. We sing that song, the blood will never lose its power. Amen? The blood of Jesus carries the life of the new creation. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, it says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ. How many folks we got in Christ today? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, what is he? He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. And all things have become new. Man, we get a revelation of this. This will put some vitamin B in us. You know, everybody says you need B12 and this, that, and all the Bs. Amen. B vitamins are good. But there's a B vitamin in the realm of the Spirit called boldness. We get a hold of this. We'll get bold. We'll just flat get bold. When you understand who you are in Christ and that you are a champion in Him... And that you have world overcoming faith on the inside of you, you will be bold. The Bible says that the righteous are bold as a lion. Amen? Not old as a turkey, but bold as a lion. Now, I want us to look at some scriptures, so we're going to slow down just a little bit now. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, and notice with me in verses 12 through 14. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 12 through 14. You're going to see the principle. You're going to see the reality of being bold because of the blood. Say this with me. I've been blood bought. I've been Holy Ghost taught. And I have blood boldness in my life. Hallelujah. Now notice this. 
Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, it says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves. How many of you know there was no eternal life in those sacrifices? But by his own blood, he entered in every year? No, he entered in once into the holy place, and he obtained eternal redemption for you. You and I are eternally redeemed. Amen? Verse 13 now. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkles the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. Read verse 14 with me, please. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works... There's a purging that takes place when you have been washed in the blood. Now, go over to Hebrews chapter 10. And I want us to notice verse 19. And then we'll look at verse 22. Hebrews the 10th chapter and verse 19. It says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter in by the blood of Jesus. Enter in to the holiest by the blood of Jesus. When you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, you are no longer inferior. When you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, the throne room is open to you. If the throne room had a sign for you that had been blood-bought, it would, be, it would say, Welcome to the throne of grace. And so it says then that we have boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now notice in verse 22, and let us read this together. Verse 22. Ready, read. Let us draw near. Now stop right there. What does the Bible say about drawing near? What does the Bible say about drawing near? It says, draw near to God and what will happen? He will draw near to you. When you draw near to Him, when you've been washed in the blood, He's not going to turn His back on you. He's not going to say, oh dear Lord, there's Raul again. What in the world does Raul want now? Doesn't he know that I'm busy? Doesn't he know that I've got people to see and places to go. Doesn't he know? No, that's not the attitude of our Heavenly Father. The attitude of our Heavenly Father is arms wide open. Arms wide open to his sons and daughters that Jesus has brought unto glory. Hallelujah. And so it says here, let us draw near. When we draw near to him, he draws near to us. I think that the number one thing that keeps people from drawing near is fear. Fear of what? A wrong image of God. When I grew up, I had a very wrong image of God. It was taught to me in school. It was taught to me by different people. So as a young man, as a teenager, I was afraid to draw near. I didn't want to go near. I wanted to get away. But when you're born of God and you understand your right standing with Him and that you are no longer inferior, hallelujah, 
you can draw near without fear. Let us draw near with what kind of a heart? With a true heart in, I like this, in full assurance of faith. Why? Because we have our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. How many of you know the devil's a liar? The devil just absolutely loves to remind us of our failures. He loves to keep us conscious of sin. He is the condemner. And like one preacher says, condemnation is the confidence killer. But you and I, we've been cleansed by the blood. And I love this statement. If the blood has power to remove your sin from the mind of God. You know, he says, I even I am he that blotteth out your transgressions from you. And I will not remember your sins anymore. Isn't that good? He says, as far as the east is from the, the, from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. Amen. You know, if you've asked God to forgive you and you've literally repented of your sins, you go to him again, he might just say to you, what are you talking about? I have no remembrance of what you're saying. Oh, hallelujah. But you know who does have remembrance of it? The devil does. And we do. But that's where faith in the blood comes in to cleanse our conscience from the deadness of those thoughts. So listen to this statement. If the blood of Jesus has power to remove your sin from the mind of God, it has power to remove your sin from your consciousness. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, there's not one thing in me the blood of Jesus does not cleanse. He says, the Holy Spirit never brings condemnation. He always reveals the blood of Christ. He is the lifting power of the church. And he goes on to say this. I love this statement. The blood can reach into the secret recesses of your motives and purposes and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, all iniquity, all sin, all shame, and all guilt. Because of the power of the blood, I got vitamin B. I've got boldness. Boldness to enter into the throne of grace. In Hebrews 4.16, and let's pull that one up there as well. See, religion instills fear. You haven't prayed enough. You, you haven't done enough. You haven't repented enough. You don't have a right to talk to God. You don't have any access. But oh, thank God, when you've been washed in the blood, this verse is yours. Let's read it together like we really believe it. Ready, read. Let us, therefore, come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. How many ever have a need in your life? Hallelujah. He says, come boldly in your time of need. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. The story is told of a woman that had a dream. I think it's a true story. Billy Brim told this story. And uh, she had a, a very colorful past. You know what I mean by that, right? She wasn't living for the Lord, and, and she had done a lot of things that she shouldn't have had been doing. But she was dreaming that she was at the gate of heaven. And there was an angel there, someone there at the gate, and, and said to a group of people there, Why should I allow you to come in? 
Well, one man said, well, I went to church every Sunday. The angel said, no, no, no. Another lady said, well, I taught Sunday school every Sunday. Angel said, mm, no, no. Another man said, well, I've done a lot of good works and I've, I've given my finances and I, I've served in the church. Those are good things, but how many of you know that doesn't qualify you to get in? For it's not of works, lest any man should boast. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. Amen? And so all these no's, then it was her turn. Thinking only that she had been a hippie and, you know, she hadn't done any good. And out of her mouth she said, I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I plead the blood. The angel said, come on in. Hallelujah. Come on in. Come on in. So there's life in the blood. There's boldness in the blood. We're champions in the blood. And we're living in a day and an hour. We really need to be pleading the blood over our own lives over our church, over our loved ones, over our nation for protection. So there's protection in the blood of the Lamb. And I just want to land on this just for a few moments before we receive communion today. Everyone say with me, there's protection in the blood of Jesus. Now let me just set this up for you a little bit. Back in the book of Exodus, God called Moses as an instrument and as a vessel to lead his people out of Egyptian bondage into the promised land, did he not? And there was this dude by the name of Pharaoh. Brother Hagin called him Ferio. <laughs> anyway, there was this guy by the name of Pharaoh. And uh, praise the Lord. Hello. <laughs> praise the Lord. Oh, you're going to give $100,000 to the church? All right. Bring it on down, bring it on down, bring it on down. Thank you. Bye. Praise the Lord. Yeah. See? That's better than getting all hot and bothered over that. Anyway, where were we? Oh, Pharaoh. Pharaoh. So, Pharaoh. Moses comes along and says, let my people go. He says, no. Not going to let him go. So a plague happened here, and Moses would come back, and and Pharaoh would say, "No, uh-uh, uh-uh." Another another plague came, and then a little while longer, Moses would go back. He was persistent, and Pharaoh said, "No, not going to let you go." Another plague came, and then one day Pharaoh, uh, Moses came to Pharaoh, and he said, "If you don't let my people go, here's what God is saying: that the whole land." is going to be overtaken with frogs. I don't really particularly care for frogs. You know, down south they eat frog legs and uh, different things like that. And, you know, snake and different things. But, but anyway, you all still here? Yeah. Okay. And so knowing, you know, the history of these plagues happening when Moses said they were going to happen... Pharaoh knew very well that there were going to be frogs. And so Moses asked him the question. He says, you know, when are you going to let my people go? He says, tomorrow. Duh. What Pharaoh was literally saying, just give me one more night with those frogs. Frogs overtake the land. So the last time that Moses came to him, he said, let my people go. If you don't, the firstborn is going to die throughout the whole area, throughout the whole land. And Pharaoh 
would not let the people go. So God, very interested in his children and the people of Israel, gave them a way for them to be protected. He gave them a remedy. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13, you don't need to turn there. Let me just read it to you. First of all, he said, take a lamb, amen, eat all of it, and I want you to take the blood of the lamb, and I want you to apply it on the doorposts of your home, of your tent. And in verse 13 of Exodus, he says, now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, how many of you know that God can see the blood? God can see his blood-bought kids. God can see his blood-bought children. And he said, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. Woo! Sounds like protection to me. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. The blood on their doorpost was symbolic of the blood of Jesus. It was a sign to Israel that they were safe. And it was a sign to the destroyer that you cannot touch this house. You cannot touch this family. You must pass over. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you this morning that the blood of Jesus is still speaking to the enemy today. It speaks of his defeat. It speaks of his doom. It speaks that even weapons may be formed against us. They're not going to prosper. It speaks of no evil shall befall us. Neither shall any accident overtake us. Though the earth may quake, the floods may rise, though the winds may blow, our lives are solid on the rock. For Jesus is the foundation of the church. We're hearing the word. We're speaking the word. We're doing the word. We're pleading the blood. We're applying the blood. Hallelujah. And the destroyer may not destroy us. Amen? It's a sign. It's a token. So the criteria for the children of Israel is they had to stay in a place of safety. They had to stay under the blood. They had to remain in the ark of safety They were not to go outside of their covenant. Amen? How many of you know we're to stay under the blood? We're not to flirt with the world. We're to stay in the boundaries of God's holy word and not give that rat any place. They applied the blood with hyssop. You and I also can apply the blood today as we receive communion in just a few moments. Turn with me to Revelation, if you would. Chapter 12, verse 10 and 11. Many times when I'm praying in the morning, here's what I will do. I will just come before the Lord and I will say, In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over my loved ones. And that includes you because I love you. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over all of our members, all of our partners, all of our precious ones that come to Heart of the Bay. In Jesus' name, I plead the blood of Jesus. And I declare that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And then I say in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over my beautiful wife, Brenda, over my children, over my grandchildren. I declare in their pathway is life and there is no death. Jesus' name. 
And then I'll rise up boldly. You know, you pray about the blood and you plead the blood. I mean, vitamin B will take you over. And I'll say this, Jesus, you've given me authority to use your name. And you said that which I bind on earth is bound in heaven. That which I loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Therefore, and I put my foot down sometimes, therefore in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bind principalities. I bind powers. I bind rulers of darkness of this age. I bind and cast down spiritual wickedness in high places and I render you harmless and effective against me, my family, your church, this country, the Bay Area, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody says, do you always feel like doing that? Absolutely not. But you know what? Whether you feel like it, whether you get a goosebump over it or not, God's word always works, especially when you speak it out of your heart in faith. Amen. Let's try this one on for size. Say it with me in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over my heart, over my mind, and over my body. You know, it's a good thing to plead the blood of Jesus over your soul. Why? Because sometimes our souls get bombarded with lies. Sometimes our souls get bombarded with fear and doubt and unbelief. Have you noticed that the enemy always will present to you the worst case scenario? I mean, you have a little pain in your chest, you know, and it's just gas, but all of a sudden the devil says, you're having a heart attack. You know what the answer to that is? No, my heart will not attack me. In the name of Jesus. It's always the worst case scenario. So you have this stuff to deal with up in your mind. Amen? And that's why he says, I've given you weapons. And the weapons of the warfare that you're in, they're not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. One weapon is the name. Another weapon is the blood. Another weapon is the Holy Ghost. And another weapon is the Word of God. We need to be fully, fully aware of the spiritual battle that we are in. And be armed and ready to use it against the enemy when he comes to our souls, when he comes to our minds. Amen? Amen. And here's what he says do casting down imaginations. That word casting down there means slap it down. Slap it down. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that would exalt itself above the knowledge of God or against the knowledge of God. And then he says, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take my name. I want you to take my blood. Exercise faith in those. And cast down every imagination and high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And you bring it into captivity. Every thought. Every imagination. Bring it into captivity to the word of God. Amen. Glory to God. In other words, get yourself so armed with the word. Get yourself so armed with the name and the blood. Praise the Lord. When the enemy comes along, you just take the rope of scripture. You take him over to the word and choke him while you're doing it and say, look here. This is what the Bible says. I'm not yielding to that anymore. Say it with me. I'm not yielding to that. No moss. So in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10. That little two or three minute exhortation just helped a whole bunch of you. It just helped a whole bunch of you. Because now you know what to do. Don't just sit there and think. Rise up and speak. 
Don't just sit there and take the abuse of the enemy that's coming to your mind. You tell him, I got a sound mind. And I have the mind of Christ. Don't sit there and listen to his lies all day. Listen to the truth all day. And then listen to yourself speak the truth. And his truth will always overcome his lies. In Romans 12, 21, it says, Be not overcome with evil. Amen? Evil comes to our minds. Don't be overcome with that. But overcome evil with the Word of God. I think that would lessen some of our prayer lines. I really do. If people would just take their stand and take their place in Christ and do what the Word of God says to do, amen, we'd be the ones laying on hands instead of the one always having hands laid on us. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. I'm in Romans. We're not Roman through Romans today. Revelation 12, 10 says this, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Read verse 11 with me. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Read that again. And they overcame him, the accuser of the brethren, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We could say it like this. And I always overcome him because I have faith in the blood of the Lamb and by the rhema, by the spoken word of my testimony. And I testify this day that I am more than a conqueror. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over my entire life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 What have we said? The blood is precious. There's life in the blood. You're a champion in the blood. There's boldness in the blood. And there's protection in the blood of Jesus. Blessed are you if you will take this and act on it. Amen? Well, did you get anything out of this today? Hallelujah. Good enough. Let's receive communion. The ushers are going to come. And they are going to wait on us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's everything good in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you today that there's strength in the blood. There's equipment by the blood of the new covenant. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we examine our own hearts. We judge ourselves according to the authority of your word in any area where we've missed the mark. Thank you for 1 John 1, 9. Thank you for cleansing us by the blood of Jesus. <clears throat> Today we will not eat of the bread nor drink of the cup in an unworthy manner, but we rightly discern the Lord's body, knowing full well that you've redeemed us from the curse of sickness, knowing full well that we have a place in the body of Christ, and we determine to serve you with all of our might. 
And Lord, we purpose in our heart to walk in love toward our brothers and sisters around the globe. Help us to walk in the Spirit in Jesus' name.